I am here walking around my neighborhood to, um, how do I say, neutralize my energy at this time. I am currently engaged in some spiritual transitional work, let's just put it that way. If you are a Patreon member, I have spoken about this a little bit, I won't go into detail, but it's definitely uh, work for me. and. I need to be outside right now and walk in order to cleanse and neutralize this energy. If I am sitting cooped up in my studio space, I will probably not be in the best shape. So I am, I am doing this right now um, for the sake of all my listeners, <laughs> so that I don't, um, so that I don't come off with stagnant energy negative stagnant energy because I don't want to bring anybody down. I, I want this to be an uplifting experience. Uh, so let's roll with that. And um, I go on this walk around my neighborhood every single day. It's usually about an hour and 20 minutes, sometimes hour and a half. That covers about 10,000 steps. And honestly, it keeps me not only level, uh, but also fit. And also, it's like my time to commune with whatever I have going on in my spiritual grid or whatever you want to call that. Um, one thing I will say that I hope resonates with some of you is if you guys have made like New Year's resolutions or um, goals for yourself, like short-term goals and long-term goals, just know that as soon as you make those goals, those intentions, um, you're going to be experiencing opposing forces coming at you immediately to challenge you in meeting those goals. And it's not because it's like, a it's like, it's not like universe is discouraging you. It's actually the opposite. It's to show you like, this is where it's, this is where it's at. This is what's happening. And this is the only way for you to know that this is what your intentions were. This is the only way for you to actually overcome the things that you have set out to overcome. So um, just know that that's, it's all loving, loving challenges. Um, the challenges are actually coming from a place of love. So if you feel bogged down or if you feel defensive or if you feel like, you know, nobody gets you, nobody's on your side, please know this. It's, it's actually the opposite. Um, all the forces are on your side in this very moment. If you're feeling those challenges and if you feel like giving up, don't. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going. You're doing just fine. I promise you. Um, one really excellent lesson that I learned via all the 50 billion thousand hours of Ram Dass tapes that I've been listening to for the last couple of years is... Um, me at this present moment with all of my neuroses, I am absolutely perfect and exactly where I should be. Isn't that a gnarly thought? Oh, and for those of you who follow me on Instagram, on Grace Junk Comedy, uh, you know that I have this tailless squirrel neighbor named Jojo Ba. It's a squirrel, but you know, they have no tail. And, and a lot of these tailless squirrels, it's usually because there was some kind of accident, like a car, you know, ran over it, or they got attacked by some predator. Oh my god, and Jojoba's here. I see Jojoba. Holy shit, Jojoba's here. Hold on. There's Jojoba. Hey, Jojoba. Hey, Jojoba. Hey, Jojoba. Hey, Jojoba. Hey, Jojoba. Hey, J
there's Jojo Ba. Hi, Jojo Ba. I left you a banana the other day. Did you get it? Yeah! <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, back to my usual. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just I haven't seen Jojoba in like a week or two. And I thought that one of the stray cats that they have, they're not strays. The cats have owners, they have homes, but they're like outdoor cats. And I was afraid that one of the outdoor cats like killed and ate Jojoba. <laughs> so, oh, and there are like ravens and hawks and stuff that also fly around. So I'm so happy to see that Jojoba is safe and sound. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, for those of you who are feeling like the, the, the spiritual or emotional or mental tension, um, feeling like you're in battle or whatever, yeah, just know everybody's on your side. I'm on your side. How's that? All right. If you lost your shit at your family member or spouse or whatever, like I'm on your fucking side. How's that? All right. Um, okay, so I want to talk about three shows today, and I have to talk about all three because these three are, they all have a similar through line, okay? So I'm going to talk about uh, Mr. Sunshine, <laughs> which I've complained about quite a few times on this podcast if you've been listening for the last three years. Um, I'm also going to talk about uh, Snowdrop, yes. And for those of you who have been listening to my podcast, you also know um, I would whine and bitch and moan about Snowdrop every once in a while, too. And then third, I'm going to talk about Kyungsung. Is it Kyungsung creature? Kyungsung. You know, it's the one with uh, Park Seo-jun, our Itaewon class favorite, the one with the haircut. <laughs> um, and he's looking pretty hot. He's looking pretty sexy in Kyungsung creature right now. I I'm digging it. So I'll be talking about these three podcast i mean these three shows right now how are you I'll, I'll be talking about these three right now all together because the through line for all three has there are two through lines number one whenever um these celebrities reach a certain status okay these these k-drama celebrities when they reach a certain status like Lee byung-hun like jung Hain, like Park Seo-jun, right when they reach a certain point a level in their status they all do the same thing they all end up doing a period drama which is set in the colonial era and this is the hilarious thing it's like you can just see and feel and taste the korean government nationalistic money and funds and ideology just it you feel the pins and needles of that it's right there and i find that i don't know Hilarious? Let's put it, let's just say it's hilarious because it's so blatant. All right? Like, it's not blatant to most people, like people who, you know, did not grow up in South Korea or people who are not familiar with South Korean history or, you know, people who are not Korean diaspora who pay attention to, like, nationalism or nationalistic politics. If you don't know that, then this is not on your radar. And that's fine. I'm not saying that, you know, there's anything wrong with you. I'm just noticing it and it's on a blatant level because, you know, I'm an academic, I'm an intellectual, I'm also an anarchist, right? With like, you know, socialist tendencies. I'm very lefty, yeah? So I see it and I just find it funny because it's so common. It's happening all three. Like they did it with Mr. Sunshine, they did it with Snowdrop, and they're doing it again with Kyungsung Creature. And who are the enemies across all three? The Japanese. 
the fucking Japanese. And it's like the anti-Japanese sentiment that nationalistic Korean dramas and movies hold is, it's like, oh baby, when are you gonna let it go? When are you gonna let it go? Now, I will say this, it is very important to uh, acknowledge the, um, the destructiveness of coloniality, okay? So if we look at these three shows, if we look at Mr. Sunshine, Snowdrop, and Kyungsung Creature, which are on these major conglomerate platforms like Netflix and like Disney Plus, Snowdrop is on, is on Disney Plus, and we got that Blackpink member, right? Okay, she's in it. I mean, it's like, whoa, it's like mega star, right? So you got that going on. And then you have Netflix, which is a global streaming service. Okay, so like these shows are made for Netflix and Disney Plus original productions to put a big stake, a political stake into the minds and hearts of K-drama lovers that has this Korean nationalistic political ideology embedded in there. And if we look at that as a, as a gesture or a nod towards decolonization overall, then we have a little something interesting going on. Then we could say, all right, there's the uplift. If we say that these K-dramas are about being anti-colonial, or if we look at these three shows as being, um, I don't know, gestures or modes of decolonization via media, via K-drama superstardom, global stardom, Hallyu stardom, then, okay, there is some productive productivity towards a progressive notion um, towards, like, I don't know, human rights or whatever the fuck we want to call it. But I think, I think it's expecting too much um, to say just that. It's not just that. We can't say it's just that because the fact is South Korea is a very powerful nation at this moment in time and South Korea is engaged in colonial or neo-colonial practices through their own government and their own capitalistic systems and forces. Okay, so that's undeniable. So we have to acknowledge that, okay? So it's trying to do one thing while doing another. Do they cancel each other out? Do they conflict? I don't know. I think they do conflict, but they can both coexist. Both things can be true at the same time. The other through line that I see is that um, all of them are, they have this like romantic thing embedded in there all right so we have this like like Yi Byung-hun he's like the I mean you know he's kind of going over the hill at this point um but he was like supposed to be the sexy thing for Mr. Sunshine with Kim Teddy, right and everybody was like oh my god like it's Yi Byung-hun it's Kim Teddy. you know it's like honestly only Koreans care <laughs> only the Koreans care so I feel like uh, Mr. Sunshine was a show that was uh made for Korean audiences and I believe it was on TVN. I don't think it was like purely on Netflix only. Like, I don't think it was a Netflix exclusive in South Korea. I believe it was on TVN in Korea. Um, now, with the, in the case with Snowdrop, um, that I'm also not sure. I'm not sure if it was like on a uh, cable channel in Korea, but it's on Disney Plus for all the rest of the nations. And you got Jung Hee and everybody loves him. And then you got that Blackpink star, everybody loves her. So. 
okay, there, there's like a romantic thing going on there. But in both cases, with Mr. Sunshine and Snowdrop, um, yeah, like, very boring shows. I'm sorry, they're boring. They're not like, you got the stakes there, okay, it's like colonization, da-da-da, but like, I'm sorry, it just wasn't, I didn't care. I really could not give a shit about these um, lovers and like hope for the best for them because I just didn't care. There was something not convincing about it. And I realized it's because they lack chemistry. <laughs> it's as simple as that. They lack chemistry. Okay, you got these big ass stars, but do they have chemistry on screen? No. Okay, then it doesn't work. Bottom line, bottom line. It's similar to how Hollywood will like throw together the biggest names and then they'll like smack on a big name director on it and then they'll expect for this like mega thing to happen and then it ends up being a disappointment which happens time and time again with tentpole movies and uh so let's look at mr sunshine and snowdrop as tentpole uh shows meant for global Hollywood audiences who don't have any political stakes in mind. They just want to see the cute, pretty faces of these big star names, and they will subscribe and watch to see these big star names. The fun element of having these shows set in modern colonial Korean era, which is the early 1900s, so from 1910 to 1945, that's the colonial era. Um, that turn of the 20th century period in South Korea, not South Korea, in, in the Korean Peninsula overall, was like a really interesting period because they had like the prettiest outfits. They had like the prettiest hats and the prettiest dresses, the cutest, you know, everything. And so I feel like in that regard, it's, it's really, it's like uh, candy for the eyes. It's like really beautiful to look at, um, you know, seeing like, like for instance, uh, in Kyungsung Creature, in episode one, when you see these people bringing objects to sell, right? Uh, so that they can make money, like to the pawn shop, they're selling stuff. Um, that scene, like just looking at the interior of that, that space, like everything's made of wood and everything is like handcrafted. And there's like this artisanal um, aesthetic to it that conjures like a romantic, old timey, like Meiji era, you know, like English influence, like Euro style influence. Like there is like a, a fetishization over the materiality and the beauty of that materiality from that period that the shows do, which is actually really beautiful to watch. So I appreciate that aspect of all three shows. Kyungsung Creature also does that very well and I really love it. So there are, um, there are some nice things to these shows that I appreciate, but Again, <laughs> um, the anti-Japanese sentiment thing is just so like over the head and over the top. And it's just, I'm just like, baby, when are you going to get over this? You know, <laughs> when are we going to get over this? And it's like, you know what? Honestly, it's not something you could rush. So I'm humbled knowing that that's not something you could rush because I am myself also a trauma survivor. And I, I understand that that's not something anybody can rush. So let's let them do their thing at their own time. But, you know, hopefully they recover while acknowledging the, the damage that South Korea is currently doing to quote unquote global South nations like, you know, South Asian countries, like Eastern European countries. You know, there are like a lot, a lot of migrant workers from Latin America and Africa and South Asia and South Korea that are being exploited 
um, or mistreated through, you know, racist mentalities, racist policies, anti-immigrant policies, all of that stuff that you see in like American politics, you also can find it in that country as well. So that's something to keep in mind. Hello, hello. Um, I think that uh, Kyungsung Creature has one very fascinating aspect about it, which is like, there is this uh, woman who was kidnapped that everybody's looking for, and she ends up being experimented upon, right? Um, if you guys are into Korean cinema, I recommend two Korean movies that might interest you. One is called uh, Dongju. I believe it's called Dongju. Uh, Dongju was a, he was a modern Korean poet. Beautiful poet, very sensitive soul. And um, when he was in his like late teens or early 20s, he was kidnapped or taken prisoner by the Japanese colonial police and then his body was experimented on by Japanese doctors um, and this kind of bodily experimentation was something that the Nazis did it's something that Americans have done to slaves and uh, it has a very long and deep history tied to coloniality, slavery and um, basic dehumanization of other of other bodies from other countries. So the Japanese were doing that. Okay, so in Dongju, you're going to see some examples of that. And then there's a, another film called Modern Boy or Modern Boy in Korean. And Park uh, Hae-il is the star in that. I love him. I love Park hae I think he is a brilliant, brilliant actor. Um, and quite overlooked. He's overlooked more than he should be. But he's more of a film actor. He doesn't really do that much TV. In any case, Modern Boy is a good film to see to understand that um, the guerrilla fighters, the, the guerrilla independence fighters who were activists during the colonial era, and then these like, you know, fancy schmancy modern boys who, who only cared about money and education and wealth and the pretty materiality of the colonial era. There weren't boys like that. They were called modern boys, modern boy. And it was like a critical way of nicknaming them because they didn't care about other things like political movements or independence of the nation. They only cared about the, the swag or the nice stuff that you could get from Japan and from Europe. Like that's what they gave a shit about. So um, that film, modern boy, is an interesting exploration of the colonial era and then the conflicting um, ideologies that were coexisting at that time and those conflicting ideologies are currently found in Kyungsung Creature because the, pro the male protagonist is a modern boy like he, he has all the ins and outs and he cares about money he's good at gambling he's a fancy schmancy boy like he's got hoes all right like He's a modern boy and he doesn't have any personal stakes in politics, none whatsoever. But then he's starting to fall in love or he falls in love with the woman who is a, she's an independence fighter. She's an activist. And so it's basically the same premise as Mudan Boy, if you think about it, just except in Kyungsung Creature, you got this monster, right? So this monster ends up becoming a monster because the Japanese doctors were experimenting upon these um, imprisoned Korean bodies. And what does that symbolize? 
what does that represent? Like, why? Why is it happening? Well, I mean, the most obvious way to go, it would be political trauma, wouldn't it? Political trauma. And it's, it's also in a woman's body. That's a fascinating thing. And it's in that actress who we saw in Silent Sea. If you guys have seen Silent Sea, Peduna is in it. Uh, Peduna's older sister who gets lost, she goes to the moon looking for water and she, gets, she ends up getting stuck there. Um, yeah, it's like, it's the same actress. She's, same thing is happening to her. She gets lost, she gets kidnapped, and she ends up getting experimented on and she transforms into this like monstrous creature that's like out to kill everybody. And it, it's quite fascinating how um, the same... These actors get typecasted into the, like, the same roles repeatedly. It's really, really interesting. That actress, by the way, she was never an actress. She became an actress like very late in her life, which I really love her for. And she's just like a natural performer. She's just really, really good. But she was never like a trained actor by any means prior to her recently budding TV career. Okay. So I would say that um, the creature that we see in Kyungsung Creature is this manifestation of you know korean political trauma okay and the fact that it's in a woman's body it's also pointing to what the japanese soldiers had done to hundreds of thousands of korean women's bodies and girls bodies there were a lot of um, young girls who were kidnapped and raped um, by japanese soldiers and by some korean soldiers who were forced to become Korean soldiers. There were also plenty of Korean soldiers who ended up becoming Japanese imperial um, military members just out of their own sheer will. Uh, and, I, and I talk about a lot of these things in my upcoming book, uh, K-Drama School, a Pop Culture Inquiry into Why We Love Korean Television, which drops on April 23rd, 2024. And it is available for pre-order on Amazon. You can do that right now if you so wish and i will be discussing all of those things and all the things that i just talked about in deep poignant detail in that book so i thank you all for your kind listenership your support and for buying and reading my book and i will speak to you all soon